Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey everyone, Pacific here with another episode of Insidious Inspirations. Not too much to talk about this week, but if you like the show and you like what we're doing, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to get our show into the ears of new listeners. And we're looking for new episode ideas. If you have a favorite horror movie or film that's inspired by a true story, let us know. We'd love to investigate it. The best place to let us know is either on Twitter, where we're at InsidiousPod, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Either way, let us know what movies we should look into next. And without further ado, this week's episode. In 2018, Lionsgate released Winchester, also known as Winchester, The House That Ghosts Built, a supernatural horror film directed by Michael and Peter Spierig and starring Helen Mirren. Though the film grossed over 10 times its initial budget worldwide, it received negative critical reviews that called it dull and pointless, among other not-so-glowing remarks. The film was centered around Mirren's character, Sarah Winchester, and the spirits that filled her vast, expansive mansion in the early 1900s. Though the film was largely disliked and quickly forgotten, the events it was based on are an entirely different story. Sarah Winchester and her mysterious house were all too real, and the house continues to draw attention and speculation to this day. The house has been the subject of documentaries, ghost hunting expeditions, and even served as one of the inspirations for Disney World's Haunted Mansion. For anyone who's ever been inside the Winchester house, it's easy to see why. The house is bizarre and disorienting to behold with doors that open to blank walls, labyrinth hallways that lead to nowhere, and an abundance of trapdoors ready to trip up anyone unlucky enough to lose their way inside. But what really happened to Sarah Winchester? What forces tormented her and drove her to build one of the most haunting houses the world has ever seen? This is the story of Sarah Winchester, her house, and the mysteries that would become her legacy. So, open up the door, come inside with me, and try not to get lost. I'm Nicole Goodnight, and this is Insidious Inspirations. In 1840, Leonard Party and Sarah Burns, carriage manufacturers in New Haven, Connecticut, welcomed their baby daughter Sarah Lockwood Party into the world. As Sarah grew, she blossomed. Afforded the best education money could buy, Sarah learned to speak four languages, as well as play the piano brilliantly. Her beauty, sparkling wit, and many talents earned her the affectionate nickname the Belle of New Haven. It only made sense that whatever man Sarah would eventually marry would be just as impressive. At age 22, Sarah found her match and married William Wirt Winchester, son of Oliver Fisher Winchester. William was from an impressive family, and his father was both the lieutenant governor of Connecticut and the manufacturer of Winchester repeating rifles, also known as the gun that won the West. 
Wild West icon Buffalo Bill himself owned one and repeatedly remarked on its virtues. Sarah and William were a New England power couple, building a happy marriage together as they hobnobbed with the best and brightest of Connecticut high society. It seemed that the couple's life would be a charmed one and they would want for nothing. In 1866, Sarah gave birth to their daughter, Annie, and she and William were overjoyed. But sometimes, at our most joyful moments, when all seems right with the world, tragedy can strike. Only a month after she was born, Annie passed away from marasmus, a disease characterized by severe malnutrition. Sarah and William were naturally both devastated, but Sarah in particular took the loss especially hard. A dark cloud formed over her that day, a cloud that would never truly clear again for the rest of her life. Still, the couple pressed on for another fifteen years until William fell ill. The prognosis was grim, as he was diagnosed with tuberculosis. On March 7, 1881, William succumbed to the disease and Sarah lost her husband. In the span of that one year, Sarah lost first her mother, her father-in-law, and finally the love of her life. The torrent of grief all became too much to bear, and Sarah decided to seek comfort and guidance wherever she could find it. Desperate for some kind of direction and the acknowledgement of forces beyond herself, she turned to spiritualism. The mid to late 1800s in America were the perfect time for a grieving widow to immerse herself in the spiritualist movement. Prompted by the aftermath of the Civil War, the rise of seances and spirit photography, and the emergence of pseudo-celebrities like the Fox sisters who claimed to speak to a ghost in their home, and Emma Hardinge Britton who worked as a famous traveling medium, the United States was filled with the spirit of open-mindedness and belief in the possibility of life after death, without the stricter religious context that had dominated Puritan New England. According to many sources, Sarah took her newfound interest in spiritualism to Boston, where she met with a medium for consultation. The medium told Sarah that she was being haunted by a massive collection of spirits who had one thing in common. They had all been killed by Winchester rifles. Given the rifle's popularity, especially in the Old West, that was quite a long list. The medium warned that Sarah's husband and daughter had been lost to these spirits, and she could be next. However, all hope was not yet lost. There was one thing she could do to keep herself safe and escape the wrath of these spirits. She could move out west and build a grand house, the construction of which would never be finished. As long as the construction continued, adding more and more intricacies to the pieces of the house, the spirits would leave her alone. However, the medium cautioned, if construction on the house ever ceased, the spirits would likely turn their attention back to her and she would lose her life just as her husband and child had. Perhaps Sarah Winchester received this warning and heeded it, or perhaps she just desperately needed to leave Connecticut and all of its memories and heartache behind. Whatever the reason, Sarah Winchester traveled to Menlo Park, California to visit a niece. There, in the Santa Clara Valley, she found what she had been searching for, an unfinished farmhouse three miles west of San Jose, which she purchased in 1884. Though Sarah had lost quite a lot in the last few years, she had gained something few women at that time would ever have access to—wealth. After the death of her husband and father-in-law, Sarah inherited a fortune of over $20 million, which would equate to around $536 million now, and a 50% stake in the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. 
she was one of the wealthiest women in the world for the time, and she would use that wealth over the next thirty-eight years to build a home that was both an escape and a trap of her own making, the Winchester Mystery House. Up next, we'll take a look at how a simple farmhouse became the sprawling maze of the Winchester Mystery House, and the ghosts that supposedly wandered the halls. But first, a word from our sponsors. If you're interested in listening to the show ad-free and getting access to bonus content, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash insidiouspod. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And now, back to our show. When Sarah began the process of construction on her new home, it had only eight simple unfurnished rooms. But she quickly set to work on changing that, using her ample funds to hire dozens of carpenters to work on the house at once. As the carpenters began their various jobs expanding the modest house into a seven-story mansion, they began to notice some peculiarities in the widow Winchester's process. She had no plan prepared, and no matter how many times the carpenters brought it up, she refused to hire an architect to help design the renovations. She was going to handle it all herself. After all, it was her duty to her husband's memory, to the spirits of all those lost to the rifle that bore her name, and to her very life. However, due to the lack of professional guidance, the constructed additions were done according to Sarah's whims, and seldom made much sense. There were rooms built onto exterior walls with windows looking into other existing rooms. Staircases were added, each a different size, creating a warped look and destabilizing effect as the construction crew tried to navigate the expanding house. The oddity didn't end there, either. Cabinet doors would open to reveal 30 more rooms stacked like the holes of a beehive. Staircases would go up multiple floors and then suddenly stop, leaving the person ascending them stranded in between stories and glass trap doors leading to sudden, potentially deadly drops. Though most of these changes made no sense, the construction crew did whatever Sarah said. They got paid just the same, no matter how odd the whole affair became. They even complied when Sarah ordered the house to be built entirely out of redwood, only then to request it be covered with over 20,000 gallons of paint and wood stain. By the time the century turned and the 1900s began, the Winchester house had grown to a stately haunted farmhouse of seven stories, 161 rooms, 47 fireplaces, 10,000 panes of glass, two basements, and three elevators. There were gold and silver chandeliers dripping from the ceilings and custom-commissioned stained-glass windows casting colorful shadows on the hand-inlaid floors. The decor was beautiful, but very few people were ever let inside the house itself. People in the surrounding San Jose area speculated about the Winchester house and the enigmatic widow who drifted through it like a ghost. 
She was always draped in black mourning clothes, her face hidden behind a veil. Though she stood at only four foot ten, Sarah Winchester was an intimidating figure, and she quickly became something of a local legend. Her reclusiveness only made people more fascinated with her. President Teddy Roosevelt himself once came to see what all the fuss was about, hoping to get a look at the interior of the infamous building and perhaps speak to the lady of the house herself. He arrived and knocked on the door, but no one came to answer it. After waiting for a response for quite some time, he relented and left. Not even the President of the United States was allowed to take a peek within those hallowed walls. Meanwhile, Sarah Winchester continued to add to the house. Indoor plumbing was added, including hot running water, an incredible luxury for the time, though it was only available in one of the 13 bathrooms. There was push-button gas lighting and forced air heating throughout the house, keeping the arthritic and aging Mrs. Winchester comfortable. The crew of workers noted that only one of the 13 toilets in the house was functional. The rest of the bathroom seemed to be purely for show, or perhaps to throw the spirits off of her trail. She also slept in a different one of the house's 40 bedrooms every single night, rotating through them like clockwork. She seemed to be terrified to stay in one place for too long, afraid of what might catch up to her if she let her guard down for even a moment. As she moved from room to room, she would climb through cramped secret passageways to ensure she would not be detected or followed by any invisible enemies. All the while, the construction carried on, the contractors carrying out Sarah's whims no matter how unusual. Spiderweb motifs and the appearance of the number 13 were placed throughout the house's decor and design, and more haphazard pieces were slapped on, growing the ever-expanding beast of a mansion further and further. Some of the workers wondered where her ideas came from, and others, who had been working on the project much longer, would fill them in. Nearly every day, Sarah would invite local mediums to visit the house and perform seances in one of the upper rooms, using these conduits to the metaphysical to commune with good spirits who could advise her on the best way to appease the more restless, vengeful presences in the house. These good spirits were the source of some of the house's more confusing additions, and Sarah took them at their word, no matter what. While Sarah Winchester was contending with the possibility of a supernatural threat, she was completely blindsided by a natural disaster in the form of an earthquake that struck San Jose in 1906. The earthquake violently ripped through the Bay Area early one April morning, collapsing whole buildings and shaking people out of their beds, if it didn't kill them in their sleep first. The Winchester house was no exception to this devastation. Though the floating foundation saved the house from total collapse, the top three floors were lost to the earthquake. Like the rest of the people in the surrounding area, Sarah Winchester awoke around 5 a.m. to the earth rocking beneath her, and the sound of crashing objects and splintering wood coming from every direction. For a brief moment, as the adrenaline shot through her veins and her bleary eyes adjusted to the chaos descending upon her, Sarah must have thought that the spirits were finally taking their revenge. She had not run fast and far enough, had not built enough onto the house, and they were finally here to drag her to the depths of hell. The ground roiled as the house rocked, windows shattered, and the entire world seemed to be falling down at once. As she rushed to the door to open it, she found it blocked by rubble. There was nowhere to run, no escape. She would have to bear down and wait for rescue to come and hope that someone would find her. Finally, the construction crew came to dig her out, shaking and terrified, but still very much alive. The top three floors were removed, having sustained too much damage, 
and the house was left with four sturdy floors which stand to this day. Though the Winchester house was Sarah's project in prison, she also found ways to make it a home, to inject little bits of warmth into her life there. She had a sole companion, a dog named Zip, who would pad through the house, wagging his tail and bringing light into the darkness of its halls. She also constructed an aviary filled with tropical birds in a rainbow of colors, their chirps and songs reverberating off the wooden walls and through every floor of the house. Even though the house was built from the wreckage of her old life, resting on a foundation of grief and fear, there was love shining through, painting rainbows on the floor like light through a crystal window. Finally, in September of 1922, after 38 years of continuous work, communing with spirits and pacing the halls like a shadow, Sarah Winchester passed away. She left all of her belongings and wealth to her beloved niece, Marion, with one notable exception. The house was not mentioned in her will, not even once. In Sarah's absence, it had no legal owner, no one to turn the abandoned house into a home. Appraisers came to inspect the property, but decided its slapdash, odd construction, and earthquake damage had rendered it worthless for resale. After Marion emptied the house of all of her aunt's belongings, a local investor purchased it and opened it to the public as a tourist attraction. The Winchester Mystery House was born. Today, the Winchester Mystery House is a national historic landmark owned by the same family who purchased it in 1922. It is still open to the public, where visitors can take tours of around 110 of the house's rooms, including special tours on Halloween and, in a move that Sarah herself would likely appreciate, Friday the 13th. There have even been some modern additions to the house in honor of its fascinating history. In October of 1924, Harry Houdini visited the house during his nationwide quest to debunk spiritualistic claims, unmasking mediums and demystifying supposedly haunted houses as he went. What exactly he found when he visited the Winchester house has been lost to time, but according to legend, he was the first person to coin the name Winchester Mystery House, suggesting he left with far more questions than he did answers. In honor of this visit from one of the most famous magicians and skeptics of all time, the Winchester Mystery House now offers a Harry Houdini-themed escape room experience, just in case you wanted to simulate the experience of getting lost in the Mystery House without, actually, you know, getting lost. Nearly 100 years after her death, Sarah Winchester's house still holds secrets waiting to be uncovered. In 2016, an attic room was discovered that had previously been completely unseen by anyone other than Sarah and her construction team. The following year, a series of rooms were put on public display for the first time, including portions of the house that were never completed. Even up until her dying day, Sarah had kept the construction going, unwilling to stop even as her strength began to wane. Who knows what other surprises are waiting, what other puzzles have yet to fall into place. The Winchester Mystery House is considered to be one of the most haunted places in America, and visitors and employees alike have shared stories of ghostly encounters while exploring its massive maze of corridors. A Winchester Mystery House tour guide was leading a group of visitors through the house one day when they spotted a door that kept opening and closing on its own. They brushed it off at first, thinking it had to be someone on the other side of the door. It was probably the cleaner, until they remembered the cleaners only came on Wednesday, and it was a Tuesday. Was it a breeze? No, it couldn't be. That door led to a part of the house with no open windows. With no other explanation, they had to accept it as fact. The door was moving on its own with no clear cause. Before they turned to continue the tour, they remembered one more thing that sent a shiver down their spine. 
That door led to the room where Mrs. Winchester had died. Back in the 1980s, a couple named Debbie and Ernie moved into the house to work as caretakers in Night Watch. As they were unpacking their things and settling in, Debbie called her sister to keep her updated on the process. While she was chatting on the phone, she felt a hand brush across her head. She turned, expecting to see Ernie stroking her hair or trying to get her attention, but there was no one there. Throughout their first week in the house, the security alarm was continuously tripping by something. Every time, it was Ernie and Debbie's duty to check it and see what had happened. And every single time, they could not find anything that could have triggered the alarm. There was no intruder and not so much as an animal scratching at the door. Speaking of animals, Debbie and Ernie weren't the only ones who felt unsettled by the house. The trained guard dog that stayed in the house with the couple would become agitated and afraid when passing down one particular hallway. Every time they took the dog down that hall, he would stop walking, refusing to budge until they shined a flashlight into the dark, assuring him that there was nothing there. Well, nothing that they could see, at least. Several years ago, a man hired to work on one of the mansion's restoration projects was working in a part of the house lined with several fireplaces, nicknamed the Halls of Fire. He was there early in the morning before tourists and guides filled the house with noise and activity. It was quite peaceful and a little bit eerie. He had climbed up a ladder to begin his repairs when he felt someone tap him on the back, very gently, as if they needed to ask him something but didn't want to startle him into falling. He turned to see the person and ask what they may want, but there was no one in the room with him. He brushed it off and told himself he must have imagined it. He was tired, working in a supposedly haunted house, and his superstition got the better of him. As he resumed his work, he felt the phantom touch again. It was more insistent this time, like someone pressing their entire hand against his back. This was too much for him to take. He climbed back down the ladder, left the halls of fire, and decided to start his work in another part of the house. Whatever had touched him, he didn't want to wait around and see what it would do next. Another tour guide had an encounter with what might have been the spirit of Sarah Winchester while she was leading her group of visitors to the Daisy Bedroom. Named for its floral-themed decor, the room was where Sarah had been sleeping when the 1906 earthquake hit, and where she had subsequently been trapped for hours. After the guide gathered her group inside, just before she opened her mouth to continue the tour, she heard a soft but distinct and clear sigh come from the hallway outside. She poked her head out into the hall, expecting to see a guest that had fallen behind or perhaps one of her colleagues. There was no one standing there, but a bit of motion at the edge of her vision caught her attention. She flicked her eyes over just in time to see the flutter of a small, dark shape disappearing around the corner. She caught a glimpse of black fabric, a small human frame, and the lace of a veil before the figure was gone. She followed them around the corner and found it empty. Just before she turned back to the daisy room, she heard it again. A deep, exhausted sigh. She returned to the tour, but she knew in her heart that she had just seen the spirit of the lady of the house, annoyed to have her privacy invaded by a group of strangers tramping through her bedroom. There have been dozens of other stories of apparitions in the house, from the echoes of workers carrying on with their daily household chores tidying up in the ballroom or pushing a wheelbarrow full of coal towards a fireplace, to more active spectral beings. A long-time maintenance worker entered the water tower one morning and was met with the sound of footsteps coming from above him. He went upstairs to confront the stranger and let them know the area was off-limits to the public, but the sound always seemed to evade him, 
coming from just a few feet ahead or from the floor just above. He never found the source of the footsteps. Helen Mirren paid a visit to the house while preparing for her role in Winchester, and when asked about the possibility of a supernatural presence there, she said, I feel it is haunted by something very benign. I feel sort of a great... I feel a sweetness in the house. Not a horror. There is a sweetness in it. It is haunted by something sweet, if it is haunted. Indeed, there doesn't seem to be any malice or hate lurking anywhere in the Winchester house. Instead, there is a sense of great care or dedication and a woman trying to build herself some peace. Sarah didn't leave behind any journals, any letters, anything that might provide a look into her troubled mind or her private torments. We'll never know exactly what motivated Sarah Winchester to create the Mystery House, or if there were truly angry spirits driving her to escape through hidden passages and duck around dead ends. But it seems that whatever fear, whatever pain, whatever terrible ghosts the Winchester House might have seen, they, and Sarah herself, are finally at rest. This episode of Insidious Inspirations was written by Addison Peacock. Our host was Nicole Goodnight. And our editor and musician was the incredibly talented Danny Sweet. I'm your showrunner, Pacific S. Obadiah, and our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, visit www. For more information, visit www.insidious.show.